Thank you, Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike, I got a quick question for you. Have you ever had Kellogg's Frosted Flakes? Uh, yes. And how did you feel they tasted? Sugary. Sugary. You know, their mascot says something different. Do you know what he says? They're great. They're great. So sugary apparently is great to Tony the Tiger. That word great, and we've used that quite a bit, haven't we? We've used it to describe as an adjective uh, certain things, and we've attached it to a lot of other things besides frosted flakes. Uh, I thought of some examples of this in, in my mind of where, where I've seen this. And uh, for example, uh, the, the Great Wall of China. Anybody ever been to the Great Wall of China? I see one, two people. Wow. Was it great? Yeah, okay. Enough said there. How about the Great Barrier Reef? Anybody seen that? Been there? Been down under to see the Great Barrier Reef? Okay. Didn't know. It's kind of an interesting place to go, I think. How about the Great Lakes? Anybody seen and been on the Great Lakes? Okay, number of you. Wonderful. I don't know if you're a hockey fan, but I had the privilege of seeing the great one play uh, for the Kings when he was there, Wayne Gretzky. It's pretty, pretty fun to see him up close and in person. Um, uh, there's the word greatest as well. How many of you have ever seen the greatest show on earth? Ringman Brothers? Mar- okay, I got to see the circus as a kid as well. That was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Um, you know, as I think about being in this country, I-, I think about it being the greatest country in the world. No matter what happens, no matter what unfolds, no matter uh, what our opinions are in the political world, we still have the greatest country in the world, no matter what. And then I thought, well, why do we have that? In part, it's in thanks, in part, to the greatest generation. Uh, we have our freedom today because of them and the lives that they gave so that we can enjoy the freedom of worship here. In 2020 or in 2021, depending upon where we get with this, we're looking for what I would call the greatest cure. We're looking for a proven vaccine for the coronavirus. Did you know that? You've heard about that, right? We're waiting for that to show up. As wonderful as it'll be to have that great cure when it comes along, and I think it will, there's a greater virus in this world I want to focus on this morning. This virus affects everyone equally. This virus has affected every race. It's affected every gender. This virus doesn't care about your social background or your economic background. It affects it all the same. This virus has caused and is causing malice and envy and deceit and hatred It's caused slavery and racism and abuse and murder. It's caused uh, gossip and slander. It's caused pride. It's caused people to dishonor and disobey God. It's caused fornication. It's caused adultery and it's caused abuse. It's caused and it's causing covetousness. It's causing lying. It's causing people to steal. This virus is so deadly, it's caused abortion. It's caused infanticide. It's caused genocide. This virus has caused civil wars. This virus has caused world wars. It's a very serious virus, as serious as the virus of COVID-19 is. It's so deadly that it has claimed the life of every person so far. And it will claim the life of every person eventually. This virus is why we have 
for many of us, life insurance. It's why we've all been to at least one memorial service or one cemetery. That's how deadly this virus is. And while COVID-19 has become a worldwide pandemic, this virus is the greatest virus. It is the greatest pandemic of all time. So you might be thinking here, it's, it's a virus that maybe the World Health Organization could figure out or the Center for Disease Control could, could give guidance to. Or maybe the American Medical Association could come up with all the brain trust of all the physicians, but yet they have, have no cure either. And as though there is so much research going on for COVID-19 vaccine, there's no lab that's going to create the cure for this virus. So what deadly virus is greater and more widespread than COVID-19? There's only one, and most of you figured it out by now. It's sin. Sin is the greatest, deadliest virus of all time. It affects everyone. All of us have tested positive for it. We've all tested positive for it. None of us are immune. The Bible defines sin as this way. It's rebellion against God's law. It's missing the mark. It comes in and be and can dwell in you as inner guilt. All of us here today have rebelled against God's law. All of us have missed the mark of sinless perfection. We've all failed at that. And the Bible says if, if we fail to address our sin in this life, it will negatively impact us in the life to come. There's no getting around it. And while it's important to that we find a cure for COVID-19, I believe it's more important that a cure is found for the sin virus, that we have that virus vaccinated, if you will. The sin virus is as old as our first parents. It goes back to Adam and Eve. Just page three of your Bible is all you would need to read before you would find and encounter the sin virus because of Adam's choice and Adam's sin. Yes, Eve made a choice too, but it's Adam's responsibility. That's what scripture teaches us. And since Adam, the old, this sin virus has appeared and spread to every person of every nation. And that's why I think of it as a global pandemic. And despite all the human effort there, there has been to reverse it, they've yet to succeed because the death toll still remains at 100%. That is unless your name is Enoch and you lived for 300 years and you were taken by God to heaven or you were Elijah and were a prophet. Other than that, everybody else has died because of this virus. It leaves us desperate for a cure, desperate for a miracle, Guess desperate for God to intercede and intervene and to save us. And as you well know, and thankfully I can tell you today that God did intervene. He saw what sin had done to us, what it was doing and what it is doing to this world, and that we could not recover on our own. Despite all of our efforts, despite everything that's out there that could help us with that, we're still stuck with this virus. And God saw that we were dying in our sin and that we needed the greatest cure ever. And he gave us one. Which brings the question, what is the greatest cure? What is the greatest cure for the sin virus? Well, there's only one. And it's found in John 3.16. How many of you have ever heard of John 3.16? Oh, wow, there's a lot of hands have gone up. If you're watching online, I'm guessing you could raise your hand too. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Is that the verse you're thinking of? 
Okay, so we're on the same page then for the right verse. That verse is the first verse I memorized, I think, as a kid. Uh, somehow or another in Sunday school, I remember that verse being brought to me. Many of you, that verse, John 3.16, is the greatest verse of all time, the greatest verse in the Bible. And I think their reasoning is, is because it's the most complete summary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, John 3.16 in one sentence summarizes the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, this greatest cure. And John 3.16 is the only cure that God has prescribed, which makes sense because that's the one we need. There's no substitute. He is it. For he says himself that he is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. No one's going to get to God. No one's going to get to the Father. No one's going to get eternal life without going through Christ. That's what he said, which is why it makes it to be the greatest cure. So why is John 3.16 the greatest cure for the worldwide sin virus? Well, let me give you some reasons, nine reasons that I'll prescribe to you, if you will. And perhaps this is a way that you've already heard this verse and know this verse so well, but perhaps today, if you're a believer here, maybe this works more as a tool for you of what I want to share with you. You'll, you'll see what I mean and how you could use this in having conversations with others. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ, well, I want to present to you, well, it's the greatest cure and why you need to, why you need to have it today. So what is the greatest cure for the sin virus, John 3, 16? For God, that's the greatest good. God is the greatest good. God in his supreme standard of good and all that he is, is good. All that he does is good. How great is the goodness of God? Jesus declared in Luke 18, 19 that no one is good except God and God alone. David said in Psalm 106, 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. So it would seem that if God is the greatest good, then if he would declare something as good, it must be good, of which he has done himself as you look through Scripture, because there's no higher standard of good than God. Genesis 1.31, when God created everything, saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God's will for our lives and how we live it is good. Romans 12.2 says that we shouldn't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and pleasing to him. All of the gifts that you have, the Bible says they come from God. All the blessings that you enjoy... The Bible says that they come from God. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. So the basis of John 3.16, this basis for the greatest cure is God, because God is the greatest good. God is the greatest good. But he doesn't stop there. He's a God who loves. For God so loved, Right? The greatest action, the greatest action is his love. We affirm that God loves us, but the greater truth here is that God is love. I want to submit to you that love exists because God exists. If God did not exist, we would not know and have love in this world. God's motivation, God's cause for action is love. But it's not because we loved him. 
The scripture says in 1 John 4, 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. It's in his son as the propitiation for our sins. God's love is not a love of words. In fact, you can't go through scripture, particularly the gospels with Jesus, and find in an instance where Jesus says, John, I love you, man. We don't see that anywhere that Jesus says that, at least recorded in scripture. God's love is not words. It is not complacent. Even though it might feel as though we experience his love, it's not based upon a feeling. God's love is not conditional, but unconditional. God's love, well, there's no greater love than God's love. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. You know, when I think about showing love, um, I've given flowers to my wife to show love. I've given presents to my kids and some friends. Maybe you've done the same thing to show love, right? Beyond just words. You, you went and did something. It was active. Uh, you, you, you went forth and did that. Maybe it was something more like your time. Well, God's greatest action that he showed is death out of his love. Why, why does God go forth and love us as the greatest action? Us being the world. The world, as the verse goes, well, that's the greatest need. That's the greatest need. The world here, this word is the Greek word cosmos, and it's reference to humanity. It is not a net reference to the natural world of trees and plants and animals, but rather people. The sin virus, as I said, affects all humanity. All people have been affected by this virus. In other words, as we've heard who's tested positive, we've all tested positive for the sin virus. What's the test? How will we know that we failed the test? Well, we have an answer in Scripture Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's the test. Can we match that? Can we meet that? No, we can't. That's why we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. It also goes on in Romans chapter 6, for all for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's a problem. We are in need as a world. There's no false positives when it comes to sin. No false positives. Christ met our greatest need by humbling himself and becoming a man and willingly dying on a cross. He did that. Look, Lord willing, a cure is found for COVID-19. We need that. We want that. We're looking for that. We're praying for that. But the greatest need still remains this world. People in this world. That's where it is, the greatest need. So what does God do with that? What does God do with our need? He gives. That he gave, that's the greatest example. That's the greatest example. God is a generous, generous God. God gives abundant blessings. God is a gracious, gracious God. He's giving himself is the greatest example of generosity. It is the greatest example of grace. 
before we fail the test of being perfect. We've all rebelled against God. Last Sunday, we had communion. We remembered on that day that the Father gave his Son, and his Son gave his life. He gave his life. Many in the world believe that they are good people. Have you come across that? And many people view themselves as good. In other words, that there's good people and there's bad people. But the scriptures tell us that we're all bad. In fact, in Isaiah 64, 6, it says, We've all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. It's interesting, it says here in Philippians 3, 8, I count everything, Paul said, as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. In other words, when we look at our example of being good, if we were to do that and say, here's my examples of good, Paul, who's lived a life that many would go, man, I'd love to have those accolades. He considered them all rubbish. Thinking about an example of, of, of our good, of our best that we could bring to God, it reminds me of kind of the silly story, maybe you've heard of it before, about the guy who goes to heaven, but this time this guy gets to go to heaven with something with him. And in every story, you know who's at the gate, right? So, of course, Peter's there, and he says, hey, whoa, 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 well, hold on, let me check your name. All right, you are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. What are you bringing with you? He goes, oh, this guy goes, I wanted to bring something as an example of my appreciation for all that God has done. He's like, really? Something you want to show that you appreciate, an example that's good. Okay, well, let's open it up and see what it is. Guy opens it up, and he shows him that he's brought gold, which, by the way, closed at $1,950.50 an ounce this past Friday. So that's pretty good value. But as Peter sees it, he starts laughing. He goes, you brought him pavement? You brought him pavement. That's your example of what's good to a holy God. That's the example you came up with. All right, well, God's example is greater. He gave his one and only son. That's the greatest sacrifice. That's the greatest sacrifice. Only in the Greek means unique. It means one of its kind. God remained God, but he became a unique, one-of-a-kind man. Jesus, the greatest, unique, one-of-a-kind God-man, came and offered his life as a sacrifice, as a sacrifice for us. John 3.17, the next verse after 3.16 says, For God did not send his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It's a sacrifice, a great sacrifice. John 10, 10 and 11, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's the greatest sacrifice. That's what Jesus came to give us, his life. The fact is, is we owed a debt we could not pay. And Christ paid a debt he did not owe. 
That's why we give praise and glory and honor to God, to Jesus for what he did. The fact is, we've owed that. And God's sacrificial love was expressed in giving of his most precious gift, his only son, his one and only son. So the greatest sacrifice I can offer to God in return, the Bible says, is a living sacrifice. In other words, I no longer live for me and my desires and my will, but for his will and his honor and his glory. I live for that and not for for mine. Which leads then to something special, and that's the whoever. Whoever, that's the greatest invitation. The whoever is the greatest invitation. This whoever includes Jews and includes Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, that makes you a Gentile. Welcome to the club. Regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your background, whether whoever you are, we're all sinners. That's what scripture teaches. Up until Christ came, only Israel was blessed. Only Israel understood and received the invitation to God's greatest cure for sin. And he put that to them. At times they received it, and other times they rejected it. But now through Christ, all the whoever's, all the sinners, are invited to receive his salvation. That's what God has given to us. It's, it's an amazing blessing. In Romans 10, 11, 13, 12, and 13, it says, For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what God is presenting here. So with this in mind, God's sacrificial love was expressed in the giving of his most priceless gift, his son. And we are grateful for that. As I think about this, and I'm just amazed at God's invitation to us, I think about an invitation, maybe the greatest invitation some would say that they received. Remember years ago, now that Prince William and Kate Middleton got married, did you watch that wedding? That was an invitation-only wedding, and I'm guessing that the people who attended that wedding and received that invitation still have that invitation tucked away somewhere. At least they would in my household, because we like to keep things like that. It was an invitation-only, a great invitation. Contrast that. If you wanted to go to a wedding in Australia, so I have some friends that live in Australia, and uh, they're, they're from there. That's why they live there. But they were sharing with us one time about weddings in Australia, and I had no idea about this. They said for the culture in Australia is, if someone's having a wedding, everyone is invited to attend. It's an open invitation. So if you go down under, you're invited to go whatever wedding you see is happening and show up. You might want to bring a gift just to show your appreciation for their generosity and, and invitation and hospitality. That's a great invitation, but the greatest invitation is to the whoever's. And if those whoever's take that invitation and respond and believe in him, well, that's the greatest response. That's the greatest response is to believe in him. The greatest response any sinner can make to the greatest invitation is to believe in Jesus. 
I've noticed I can't do a whole lot that's good as a sinner, but I can respond to God's invitation. I can admit that I'm a sinner, that I need him. I can believe what he says in his word about him, that I need salvation through him. And I can commit my life to following him. That is something that that I can do. Many religions teach and many people believe that the greatest response to to God is to do. Is to do something. Is to go out there and do something for God, to earn God's favor. But the fact is, Jesus declared from the cross, all the to-do work is done. It is finished. There's no more to be done. What's our response supposed to be to this? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the greatest response you could give to God, for that's what he gives. For with the heart, one believes and are justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. To saying yes to what God has provided to you. You know, one of my favorite times I heard the word yes, probably the greatest time I heard the word yes, back to the greatest question I'd asked at that point, was on my knee. And Pam said, yes. I want to submit to you, beyond marriage and beyond all the things that we could say yes to, saying yes to Jesus' invitation for salvation is the greatest response you could give. It's the greatest yes you can say. Why is that? So you won't perish. Because that's the greatest horror. That's the greatest tragedy. Truth is, if one says no to God's invitation, if one rejects God's goodness and love, they will perish. That's what John 3.16 says. That's within the greatest cure. Perishing apart from Christ is the greatest whore because not of annihilation, that you cease to exist, cease to be aware of what's going on, but it's because you are aware. And Scripture teaches that we're in conscious torment in hell. And we get a glimpse of that, of this greatest horror as it's betrayed between a rich man and a man named Lazarus. Just a snapshot of this from Luke 16, verses 22 to 24, says that the poor man died and he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried and in Hades or hell, being in torment. And he lifted up his eyes. This is the horror of rejecting God's invitation. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. That's the greatest horror. Jesus didn't want to have us go through life and not know that. His grace and his love, he shows us what's going on. You see, uh, non-Christian, the best life that you have is yet to come. It's yet to come, but for the non-Christian, the best years of your life are right now. (laughs) They're right now. The best years of your life are now because the Bible teaches that when you die, you will go to hell if you've never received Christ as your Savior. That's just the simple, plain truth. That's how the cure works. Without it, you die. So why is it that this, for us, 
as Christians, as those who have received and responded to this great cure. Why is this the closest we're ever going to get to hell? Why is this the worst it's ever going to get? Because it's found in the answer from the greatest gift. Because those are who have eternal life. That's the greatest gift. Eternal life is the greatest gift God can give because it gives the believer the fullest blessings God can give, that God can bestow upon anyone. Eternal life can never be exhausted in any measurable span of time. That can never happen. It is life in God's presence forever. Those who believe and receive the greatest gift, an imperishable life, is free from all condemnation. For Romans 8, 1 confirms us, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we praise God for that. We sing of that. We rejoice over that. You know, as I think about this greatest gift, one of the great gifts I've had is my children. Scripture says that they're a gift from the Lord. And when they were born, my, my daughter and my son, I thought, man, these are great gifts. But you know what I've learned as time's gone on? <laughs> I'm learning that while they, yeah, I know here you're some of you laugh, but, but if I really stop and think about it, despite some of the confrontations that my daughter and son got into yesterday, and we settled that out, I'm, I'm discovering more and more how great a gift they are. As time goes on, you know, I thought, oh, man, these are great when you hold them. But now as they're becoming their own persons, right, taking an identity, beginning to walk with Christ on their own, seeing them pray on their own, seeing them read their Bible on their own. I'm going, man, this gift is getting better. But I want to submit to you as great as they are <laughs> for me and my wife. The greatest gift is eternal life. And I got a picture of what this is going to be like for us. From Revelation 21, 3 and 4, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the greatest gift in having eternal life with God. So there you have it, nine reasons why John 3.16 is the greatest cure for the greatest sin virus that's ever been across this world, which leads us to conclude with the greatest question. Have you received the greatest cure? Have you received the greatest cure? For God, that's the greatest good. So loved, that's the greatest action. The world, that's you and me, we have the greatest need. That he gave his only son. That's, that's amazing that he did that. It's a great example of his generosity and his grace. His one and only son, that's the greatest sacrifice. That whoever, that's the greatest invitation. Believes in him, that's the greatest response so that you will still not perish, which would be the greatest horror, but have eternal life, which is the greatest gift. So have you received that gift? Have you made that decision? COVID recovery, we all need it. That's why we're doing this sermon series. But a greater recovery we need is the sin recovery. 
to be recovered from sin. God offers one a cure and salvation through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, which is why John 3, 16 is the greatest cure. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for sending your son into this world that we would have this amazing cure for the greatest virus of all time, the sin virus. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for this promise, this verse, this truth, Lord, that brings us back to reality. Lord, I just pray and ask that, uh, Lord, if there's somebody here today who's never taken this greatest cure, and they're stuck right now in this virus that's killing them and will take their life and separate them from you if they never respond to your invitation. So if you're here today and you never received Christ, if you're watching online today or some other time from when this message was given, this is an opportunity for you to make the greatest decision if you've failed to do that so far in your life. So if you're here today and you never received Christ, if you're watching online and you never received Christ, I just want to lead you through a brief, simple prayer. And it's this. You just say it right after me, out loud, in your heart, in your mind, however, in submission to God. Lord Jesus, Son of God, Savior, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, I admit that I need you. I need the greatest cure. I believe that you are, Jesus, the greatest cure. And I commit my life to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to see you afterwards. I have a gift for you. If you're watching online, and you see that response card in the description below, uh, take that online response card and let us know. Respond and let us know if you made that decision. We want to know that. Thank you so much for allowing me to share with you the greatest cure. Let's worship.